Story number one. Do it for Grandma. Written by... Trust me, I just get weird. When I was a kid, Grandma always made me wash my hands. Always. No exceptions. But that's just how grandparents are, right? They've got this thing about it. They've got this bug in their butt. No matter what, you wash your hands in Grandma's house and God help you if you try to argue. It didn't matter if you were five or fifty. Grandma made you wash your hands. Well, my grandma had that down pat. She made everyone wash their hands before meals for twenty seconds on the dot. Two rounds of happy birthday song, no rushing. When we were really young, she'd sing along with us. We'd wash our hands and we'd wash and wash and wash. And then we could sit down at the table. Every time I visited her house too, she always gave us little bottles of hand sanitizer. Like, in hindsight, it was cute. But God, every kid in my high school would have known that I got it for my grandmother if I whipped that thing out and trig. It's a social suicide, I'm telling you. Even thinking about it now gives me hives. There was this one kid... Uh, never mind. I didn't have the heart to tell her that I had more than enough of those things. Like, are you just supposed to tell her? No, I can't do that. She'll look so hurt, and then I'll be a monster. You don't turn down gifts at Grandma's house. Not if you want to keep your humanity. I still have a drawer socketed full of them somewhere. I still don't know how to tell her I have enough. By the way, do you want any? They smell like fruit and burn hangnails like nothing else. Seriously, she made me bring a crate of the things up on the shuttle. It's taking up half my desk. Seriously, give me a hand here? No, I'm not throwing it in a mash driver. Do I look like that much of a prick? Fine, maybe later. Anyway, I never thought about it much when I was a kid. All the hand washing and the hand sanitizer at her assistance. That dad kept us at home from school that when we had a cough. That was just how things were, but, uh... Well, I've been thinking. There was this virus that went around when she was our age, the big one in 2020. I interviewed her about her on an oral history project in middle school. It was probably supposed to be an easy breezy thing to get us to talk to our grandparents more. But you know me, I was an edgy little crap back then. What? Oh, freck off. Let he who can put his music on shuffle in the common room without shame cast the first stone. Yeah. Thought so. The interview started out nice. She talked about how everyone chipped in and made their sacrifices to help everyone safe. She used to have a mask sewing parties with her friends over Discord, and she showed me all of the memes she posted in the internet 2.0. They were weird, to be honest. I think she only showed me the nice ones. A done were about washing your hands and they listed all the verses of the pop songs at a time that lasted twenty seconds. She sang a few of them to me, about a black parade and how he had it coming, and I really wish I could say I didn't roll my eyes. She said that they learned how to use the internet too, not just for work or for school, but how to really use it well. They learned how to live there. The whole world went digital, she said, and they learned how to stay together from a thousand miles away. They learned to take care of each other, even though the cruddy 4G wireless connection and a frankly ridiculous number of emojis. Seriously, she showed me some of her group chats. I was graphic. I swear to Christ. It was a turning point for them. It was the year the world came online. 
but I was an edgy little crap, and I didn't leave it at that. I wanted to show up my classmates or something. I don't know, I was a dick. I asked her about the dark stuff, all the news stories and the chaos and the deaths and the hospitals, like it was a movie and not a real goddamn thing that she went through. She went quiet for a minute, and then she said that she lost her grandma. She called her Mai, because grandma couldn't say grandma right until she was six. Mai was alive in the Great Depression, she said, and she had met everyone from Mother Teresa to Albus. Mai didn't think it was a big deal. Not until a lady from the bridge group got tested positive. At least it was quick, she said. At least we got to say goodbye. They lost a lot of grandmothers that year. But then she laughed it off. My was all she said. She was 95, which was ancient back then. She had a good life. She said that the internet friend of hers vanished too. There wasn't any confirmation, not really. But one day he was online posting, just got diagnosed with the virus XD, and a few weeks later she never heard from him again. All of his accounts went quiet, she said. Even his Twitter, he could never quit Twitter. Grandma never left a text unread for long. She'd stop in the middle of a conversation to respond, even if she was just sending an emoji. I guess I can see why. She went for three funerals in a week, at the worst part of it, one on a Sunday, one on a Wednesday, and one on a Saturday. She didn't remember who half of them were, but everyone was having a funeral that November. I asked what the hardest part was, what was the worst part at that time. I don't know how what I was expecting, but she said the hardest thing was leaving her friends. She was in college, a senior. Their college was on online in March. They only had a week to go from a normal semester to a full clearing out, and that was when we knew that it was getting serious, she said. We thought that it was no big deal when it started, but when the colleges started closing down, that's when we knew it was real. At first they said that she'd have a long spring break, and they should try and stay on campus. No big deal, just being cautious. Then they were giving warnings about maybe, just maybe going online for a month, and then BAM, she said. We were gone from the rest of the semester, I had to pack up my room in one day, she said laughing. I had to leave behind cruddy old plastic kettle because it wouldn't fit into my bag. I was so happy to get rid of that thing. It was hard, though, to leave in short notice. It really was hard. There were a lot of tears that week, she said. A lot of hard goodbyes. She showed me pictures of a scrapbook that she made that summer. Yeah, no kidding, an actual paper scrapbook. No, really, those were real. It was full of post-it notes, diagrams from all the arguments that they had in common about politics and their majors and something called the Homestuck Quadrants. She still refuses to explain that one to me. She said I'm too innocent. God damn it, I'm an adult. Why are you laughing, you freaking hipster? Shut up, I'm trying to be serious. The post-it notes at the end were half-finished. Arguments cut short as people had to pack up and leave. Most for good. It was hard to stay close, she said. It was hard to take care of each other, but we had to try. When we shipped off to space, she was there to see me off. She gave me a big hug and another damn crate of those hand sanitizers. She told me to take care of each other and wash my hands. End of story number one. Story number two.
Paradise, written by Conqueror Wiggles. When humans finally hit the galactic stage, we were viciously mocked. We had always wondered what our place in the universe would be. We had anticipated that we might be outmatched in strength. We had guessed that we may lack in speed. What we hadn't realized was how much of a paradise Earth was. Planets have a ranking from 1 to 10. The ranking shows how easy it is for life to thrive. Earth ranked at a negative 2. Earth was more biodiversity and more numerous by far than had been believed to be possible. When the galaxy saw the natural resources that the Earth provided and the reactions varied, some were cruel, some were kind. Everyone was envious. Humans were largely regarded as rich kids who never had to work a day in their life. Unfortunately, as with any community, bullies appeared. A species called the Drox was the first to push us on the playground. They began to seize human cargo ships in our territory. They let the crew go, but only after relieving them of their cargo. We tried to resolve the matter diplomatically, but the Drox had been a community for a long time, and they had more connections. Emboldened, they began to push further, levying this, uh, tax, as they called it, even in human territory. At that point, many of us wanted to go to war. Our leaders, however, couldn't predict what other races would become involved in the conflict. Then the Drox invaded. We found out later that when the galactic community had learned of the attack, they immediately sent troops to intervene. The Drox had gone too far after all. The frail humans had to be protected. But it was too late. The Drox had superior weapons and superior ships. By the time the community forces arrived, there were no Drox left to use them. The experience had been enlightening, to say the least. Everyone, us included, had assumed that the humans were weak because we had access to so much food and water. What we had failed to account for was that we had a threat to deal with that no other race had. Humans had to compete for those resources. Every single life form on Earth had evolved to compete. Humans had to deal with predators that came at us in every conceivable way. And not only predators... Humans have been killing off competitors since we figured out how to walk on two legs. We are living mass extinction events. What could the Drox possibly do to us? End of story number two.